Hello, and welcome to the Hamumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown. I am your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your other host, Soli Hommel. And we're going to take you through 31 scary movies through the month of October, like we do every year. But for the first time this year, we're going to do it entirely in audio format. We like to mix it up every year. One thing you need to be aware of is that we will be employing a truly ghoulish number of spoilers throughout all of these reviews. So if you haven't seen the movie we're reviewing, maybe don't listen to our podcast until you do. We highly recommend you check them out and watch along with us. It's going to be fun for everybody. I mean, how could it not be? So if you're ready and you've watched the movie, please step inside our lair and let's begin. Hideaway is a 1995 film, rated R, that we watched on Amazon Prime. It is 106 minutes long, got a 5.3 on IMDb, and and a 14 from the Rotten Tomatoes critics. Whereas, this is an interesting twist, the Rotten Tomatoes audience gave it a 39, so we have flipped the script we have flipped the script so this is fascinating to me because usually when we go back a ways rotten tomatoes is where we start to see higher scores because the rotten tomato audience in particular has been very fond of what we can what are considered classics like the yeah. thing what was the other one that i was thinking of that uh, it scored pretty high targets is very highly rated. oh yeah yeah so they like the old ones only This is 1995, and apparently it's not old enough. This is our first visit into the 90s for the month, and I guess Rotten Tomatoes doesn't want to be in the 90s. I guess not. Nobody wants to be in the 90s. So, this movie is the story of a Jeff Goldblum that gets in a car accident and is zonked out dead for a little while, and they bring him back to life. I mean, by a little while, like 45 minutes or something like that. I mean... In the course of his life, that's a very small portion. Um, oh, no. 120 <laughs> minutes. Yeah. That's no brain damage there. He's no, fine. No. No. So they resurrect him, medically speaking. And then he has this weird psychic connection to a crazy serial killer guy. And why is that? And what's going on? Mm-hmm. Let's find out. Mm-hmm. Soli selected this movie for us. So Soli... Can you tell us the reasons for your selection? There were so many reasons for this one. So many. So first of all, looking at the image on Amazon, it showed both Jeff Goldblum and Alicia Silverstone. That's right. Which, you know, them in the 90s, they're like iconic, like iconic, right? Sure. So I was drawn to that. It's a thriller, which everybody now knows is my favorite kind of horror movie. So I liked the idea of another thriller movie. And then you reminded me that this is a story based on a Dean Koontz novel. And while Stephen King is my true love in terms of horror writing, I mean, in that kind of horror writing, Dean Koontz was a phase that I went through when I was in high school, where I read Uh. like all things Dean Koontz. Yeah, I I read a bunch of them, but I don't know. I mean, he's definitely not Stephen King. He's not. And there are some, like, what I found is there are a lot of Dean Koontz stories out there, and a lot of them follow the same formula. And I think eventually I was like, 
it was so predictable that I wasn't <laughs> interested anymore. Yeah. And Dean Koontz always has more of like a, I don't want to say religious because I don't think it's a, ever a specific religion. There's a lot of religious questioning in his story, yeah, in his novels. It's like spiritual. Yes, there's, he's not religious, but he's spiritual. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of spirituality to like the questions and the solutions and, and the, you know, good and evil and stuff. And Stephen King brings some of that in, but he kind of keeps it on the sidelines or makes it much more like it's good and evil, but real people like Randall Flagg and, and uh, Abigail from The Stand. Like uh-huh. they're people that I can, you know, be concretely interested in. It's not just angels and demons which is very much where this one went yeah this had a really a scene that bothered me you know when (laughs) jeff goldblum goes and chats with his doctor first of all his doctor has become his therapist apparently like he just shows up back at his doctor's office for a little counseling session for some reason but he talks to his doctor and the doctor is like you know well we don't know what's going on there doesn't seem to be anything physically wrong with you and he's like well do you think it could be and the doctor's like, you mean you think it could be spiritual in nature? Well, that's not my area of expertise. Doctors aren't going to say that. I both do surgery and run the MRI machine. But now you're stepping outside my area yes, of expertise. Exactly. And offer therapy and sessions offer as well. Yes. But still, this is too much. Yeah. I thought you were going to talk if we jump Right to the end, I thought you were going to talk about the the final uh, conflict of the movie between the uh, yeah. red swirly thing and the blue <laughs> well, spiky thing. There was a blue, I was thinking that was the swirly thing, because the red thing was a ball of bodies. It, it was a, bo- a ball of, of writhing, like spaghetti type body spaghetti noodles. humans, like suffering because it was basically it was hell i mean they were being tortured for all eternity tons of fun and so amazing like i just saw that and was like i'm there this is reality to me (laughs) you know i saw it and my no joke my very first thought was wow they did such a better job of this in a dark song well, they, yeah, they definitely did. And That's that a whole was like, other world. That was like the gargantuan, like, gladiator angel thing. Yeah. And even that, I was like, this is weird and very, like, abstract Renaissance art style stuff. Yeah. But I'm buying into it. Whereas this other thing was like neon, swirly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh, I don't even know. It, just, it, was, it was bizarre. It was a video game is what it was. Yes. A video game from the from 90s. From the 90s. And that's one of many things that is just running through my head. I, I'm exploding with all these issues. This, the computer animation in this movie, it happens at the beginning and then the end is insane. But basically the same stuff happens in both areas. And it's like the movie Lawnmower Man, which is a Stephen King related movie. Barely. <laughs> and this movie's from 1995. And immediately when it ended, I had to look something up. And what I looked up was, when did Jurassic Park come out? Okay. The answer is 1993. (laughs) Two years after Jurassic Park, we got this ball of the the fuzzy ghost faces. You know, every time somebody was floating through the netherworld and they were like a fuzzy ghost with a face. I'm trying to, 
I don't feel like we're describing this well. Like, I'm sure it's that the people listening to us do not have the right image in their heads. And I'm trying to figure out how to describe it. And it's... So the fuzzy ghost faces were sort of like, you know, like the 80s, maybe even 70s high school graduation pictures where they have the picture <laughs> of the person and they, they've got like the ghostly, like, yeah. like re- reflection of the person looking over yeah. their shoulder or something. They were sort of like that. But the angel and the demon were... I don't even know. Were like animations of cartoon neon lights. Like if they if you drew a cartoon of a ball of writhing human bodies and then created it in neon light form and then animated that. Interesting. I'm not sure if that's helping. I don't think that helped at all <laughs> in any way. It's just it really was terrible. Bad. Yes. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. In fact, this was just something I noted was that this was back when CGI was terrible. Like, I mean, we looked at the thing was from the 80s and clearly couldn't do. I mean, like they did some computer stuff on the screen and it was just. Dur, 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 dur. Mm-hmm. And that's what they could do in the 80s. So 10 years later, they hadn't gotten that much better. Like it's better. But I mean, come on. It's like it's terrible. And mm-hmm. yet at the time, everyone was like, it's like the legends of old but new (laughs) and so they they were like into it they thought this is this looks good oh you know what else Hmm. the other there was another piece of like cgi stuff that happened he would have these visions that happened like where he'd connect and the visions would come at him like they were the terminator coming from the future (laughs) like this like blue hole would tear open in front of him in time and space And then he, then we would be in this vision. To me, that was like a, it was like a Polaroid had been crumpled up and like splatted open in front of him. <laughs> yes, it was weird. It's so Very weird. weird. Okay, we have to talk about something other than just the weirdness. Uh, let me jump to first line first shot, which we'll um, skip right over. Let's jump all the way there. Okay, so the first shot is an, an extreme close-up of a crackled oil painting. And as later we, you know, kind of pan around the room... We find out that that oil painting is is a painting of like Jesus with his hands like tied with mm-hmm. barbed wire or something, and you know suffering Jesus. And yeah. so we started in a in an extreme close up of that painting, and then the first line comes later. We've watched this young man come down and kind of look past the painting into the sitting room where there are two figures, like a woman and a teenage girl, knelt in prayer in front of more religious. Mm-hmm. icons right he goes upstairs through this very somber religiously decorated house opens the door to his room which has like pentagrams and black candles and to is, his disappointments room yeah it, yeah <laughs> and is like blaring rock music which is a reoccurring evil. theme evil rock music the the rock music was definitely used to indicate evil <laughs> all throughout the movie it was it was never overtly said. No. It was kind of joked about a little bit, but it was very clear that rock music is the root of all evil. Yeah. So crazy. he goes into his room, and, and the very first line is him in his room. And it said speaking in tongues, <laughs> but then I saw what it was that he was reading. And it was just English backwards. Which we know is also called Latin. 
<laughs> we learned that earlier this month. Yes, we did. Which movie was that? Uh, I don't know. Was it Lords of Salem? Yes, it is. It is the same as Latin as in Lords of Salem. Okay. Yeah. Good. Now I do want to comment on something. We mentioned this is a story by Dean Koontz, but in fact, Dean Koontz was so upset about this movie, he asked them to remove his name from the credits after he saw the final cut. So, wow. I think the crappy graphics were not just something we noticed. Yeah. Because in addition to that, I'm just going to read this one off IMDb. Actor Dennis Quaid's production company produced the film, but the actor removed his name from the credits again after seeing the final cut. So, wow, yeah. people were like, you know, fleeing this movie like rats from a sinking ship. Yeah, it's very interesting. I wonder how uh, Jeff Goldblum felt about the final cut of this movie, I especially knowing that this was two years past Jurassic Park, oh, right. where he was a that. straight up hottie. <laughs> okay. Right, Aaron? Right. He did like turtlenecks, though. Oh, yeah. The man loves his turtlenecks. Mm-hmm. So something I noticed, I, I learned about, I guess, about myself uh-huh. while watching this movie. It's good to grow from these movies. Right? Okay, so in 1995, I was 17. And Alicia Silverstone was amazing to me. Like, uh-huh. I loved Alicia Silverstone. She was in the Aerosmith video. She was just, she's gorgeous. She was in a bunch of movies. Like, I loved Alicia Silverstone. Thought she was amazing. Mm-hmm. She's a terrible, terrible <laughs> actress. And huh. I guess the thing I learned about myself was how, how terrible my taste was when I was 17. Yeah, I guess that's a, not a big surprise looking on it from the future. No, see, and that's, you know, I think everybody, everybody thinks teenagers have terrible taste. Yeah. This was one of those moments where I'm the teenager who has terrible <laughs> taste and I'm also the adult going, wow, teenagers have terrible taste. Yeah. So it, it's interesting to see it from that. Like, it's not just that teenagers are terrible. It's that all people are terrible while they are teenagers. Yes. Actually, if you were to just look at this movie, I think you would probably also say that Jeff Goldblum is a terrible actor. I mean, he was doing some weird stuff in this movie. And a lot of it felt like really bad direction in a way. Yeah. Like he was, I don't know, just like being told the wrong things. Yeah. Because I know he knows how to act. So... Something's going on. He's always a little melodramatic. Well, yeah. Like, that's kind of his thing. It's his shtick. Yeah. But, yeah, it was it was not a great use of any of these people. Um, Christine Lottie, too, was... Like, I, I know she has been in other things. Like, I recognized her yeah. as somebody who I thought was a pretty decent actress. And, eh, in this mm-hmm. movie, eh. Yeah. I don't know what happened here. Yeah. I did kind of like the relationship that the parents had. I liked that that their relationship felt kind of realistic. Like, you know, yeah. he told stupid dad jokes and, you know, he yeah. said things that made his teenage daughter mad. And they seemed to be a good couple. Like, they loved each other. Sort, You know, it, it, it seemed to work, the chemistry there. Very positive review of this movie, Soli. Yeah. 
Now there was, okay, this was bothering me in this movie. The first time Jeff Goldblum had visions of what the killer was up to, he saw this girl get murdered. And the girl, later there's like a scene where he sees the body of the girl on the ground and it like switches with his daughter and back. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, is that, it's barely even switching. Like that's the same person pretty much. And it was weird how identical they were. It was like, there had to be a story purpose to it of like, you know, some kind of mix up happening, but there wasn't. It was just, that's the kind of actress they hire. And it was weird. And then he and the bad guy also were almost identical. They were. I was surprised actually, because like the hair was sort of the same and the face shape. And I wonder, like with the girls, I wonder if they intentionally had that one victim look a lot like his daughter so that he would like it would trigger that in him. And then I kind of thought the similarity between the Jeff Goldblum character and the serial killer character was also intentional in that maybe it had something to do with why, like that there's enough similarities between them, that that's why the wires got crossed in, I don't know, but that doesn't really make sense with the story. Yeah, they were both, they were the two people who were treated by this magical treatment that resurrected people. Right, so there's really no way, there's no reason why them looking similar would have anything to do with it. Yeah, and it was just really confusing though, like when he was doing the I'm killing, you know, from his perspective, he was like, I'm murdering this blonde girl. And it was like, wait, is that his daughter? No, no, it very confusing. Is it him? Is it the killer? (laughs) What's happening? Yeah. But then there was another victim named Zoe. I don't even remember much, except that I had this note of Zoe's not much of a runner. Because when she was <laughs> running down the hall to get away from the guy, she's all, uh, uh. <laughs> that, was, that was not a good running Wait, scene. Wait, was that the scene where she, like, her whole body was jiggling? Yeah, she and was she was, like, running right anywhere. up to the camera and she wasn't going anywhere? Yeah, I think that was a matter of directing again. Because yeah. I think... He was asking her to run full speed as if she's being chased by someone trying to murder her, but accomplish that in like a four foot hallway. Yeah, that was some good stuff. It was, yeah. We might be narrowing it down to where the problem is with this movie. I wonder. I wonder. I don't know if this is a director issue or what, but there was a scene that where I was so taken out of the movie when they were in the bar, the daughter has snuck out of the house and gone to the bar and mm-hmm. party with her friends or whatever. And Vasago is there, the serial killer. And he's like wearing his sunglasses inside because <laughs> he's so cool. And he's, you know, got this like tough guy vibe, but kind of emo tough guy. I don't know. Yeah. He's and, very sensitive. Right. Light and sensitive even. <laughs> literally. And I could see like, in the 90s, like, that was definitely a, oh, yeah, I'm interested in that guy kind of thing. <laughs> like, you see that guy yeah. hanging by himself in the corner at the bar, and you're like, oh, I want to fix him, right? <laughs> uh, you might not recognize that, but that resonated with me. But through that entire scene, he looks like he's wearing, like, this very pink shade of lip gloss like it was i know that men in movies are wearing makeup but most of the time you're like all right his lips are a little redder than they would be but it's for the camera whatever his lips were very pink and very shiny and very wet looking and then he already had kind of that more sensitive 
like full lipped look. It was so distracting. And all I could think was, who decided this was okay? <laughs> like who looked at his makeup and was like, yup, that's what we want. Yeah. Because it wasn't like that through the whole rest of the movie. It was just that uh, scene. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, I saw some other lip gloss going on. It was very strange. Yeah. His lips were glossier than Alicia Silverstone's lips. And let yep. me tell you, girl lips in the 90s were glossy. <laughs> well, I, I hate to jump on the special effects again, but luckily this is something where there were no special effects. Excellent. Jeff Goldblum, and that's his character name as far as I'm concerned, had magic healing powers apparently because there was an angel inside him or something. So he'd hurt himself in order to get visions because whenever he got hurt, mm-hmm. he was able to get his visions. And it would, you know, make a mark. He'd cut himself or he burned himself with a thing. And there was a mark. And there was like the scene where the burning happened. He burned his hand and he was looking at it. And he's like, oh man, that's real bad. It was a really bad burn. And then it shows his face. And then it shows the burn again. Shows his face. Shows the burn. Each time it cuts between the two, the burn is better. And then like on the third cut, it's completely gone. And like, I get what you're showing me, but that's stupid. Like, <laughs> transition between those things. Don't just cut back and forth like a 1920s werewolf movie. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Oh, they were going old school. They really were. So that harming or, or um, pain causing the visions yeah. was something that I kind of struggled with because... At times it was very obvious, like it seemed like he had a lot of control because he could make them happen by causing himself pain. But it seemed like that connection between them that was opened, regardless of which of them experienced pain, yeah. or not even them, but if someone with them experienced pain. Mm-hmm. So like when Vasago would hurt his victim, the connection would open up. Yeah. There was definitely something Goldblum got mad at some point, and that caused it. So, like, heightened feelings, I feel like, did something. Yeah, that would make sense. I don't remember when that was, but... So we haven't talked much about the premise of the movie, which is that this doctor... I don't remember what his name was, but doctor, you know, does it all except... Dr. Papa Pasago. I like that. It was a little on the nose, though. Oh, Might have given a, a little bit away too soon. Spoilers. The doctor had what he described as a very special resuscitative medicine program. Yes. Which we've already discussed means that he could take someone who had been dead, clinically dead for 120 minutes, yeah. and bring him back to life and have no side effects except that there is... Now, a, a, a celestial being. <laughs> it's just a little side effect. <laughs> they can become infested with the undead. <laughs> a spiritual infestation. Yeah. So he has this, this medicine thing that he's developed, right? Which the, uh, there's always the one nurse in the operating room who's like, Doctor, are you sure we should do this? And, yeah. you know, they I never listen. They put that in every operating room. Literally every operating room. I think it's like a, a, an insurance requirement or something. Yeah, probably. That makes sense, actually. So this doctor knows, we know from the beginning that the doctor knows that there's an issue. Because the, the nurse is like, you remember what happened to the last one? And the doctor's like, poo-poo, it's fine. <laughs> 
and then continues to not give them information as he's hearing like Hatch is having all of these nightmares and hallucinations and like he gives him all these medical tests I think we should have an MRI like but I'm not going to tell you that this same thing happened with the last guy I brought back from the dead yeah so um doctor yeah so that was all very you know that added a lot of the drama to the movie but then we find out at the end that he is, in fact, Papa, Papa Visago. Visago. He is the father of the boy who has become Visago. And what did you think about that twist? Was he, Were you surprised? Did you know that's what was going on? No, I was surprised. It seemed a little unnecessary, but it made me realize, and maybe I, I don't know, at the beginning of the movie, his wife and daughter are dead. He comes running in the house. Did I know that was him? I guess it must have been the same actor, right? I I have no recollection of that being him. I don't think that it was made obvious. Like, I don't think they completely hid it, but I think they didn't show his face a whole lot. Because I feel like they might not have really been hiding this from us if that was him coming in the house. And it would have to be him because that's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah, I wonder because of what I'm remembering is seeing like his legs going up the stairs or like his back looking into the into the room where his family was and like i'm not sure if we saw his face very clever editor's note she is correct his face is never shown although his voice is used so if you recognize that you could figure it out but we did you know so we find out that his son murders and turns into tableau the Mm -hmm. rest of his family yeah and then goes up and like commits suicide on in some like satanic ritual And dad goes way out of his way to bring his son back from the dead. Yeah. And there's a part of me that really wonders why. Well, you know, there is a thing where it's like, he's all I have left. He's a son. I know. he had made a point. The doctor made a point of saying that they knew this kid had a psychosis from a very young age. Yeah. Like they knew he was psychotic and that he was a dangerous person. I'm all on board with, you know, your your really scary, dangerous son. You love him. You're going to try to protect him. I'm on board with that. But then he murders the rest of your family and throws himself on a knife. And you perform a medical miracle to bring him back. Whoa. Like, when is enough enough? I feel like maybe the twist there is that he could have checked out the other two and see if maybe those could come back. Because... That would be the priority job right there. That's the other interesting thing is that his uh, procedure fixes a knife being jammed through your stomach. (laughs) I don't Mm -hmm. think that's how resuscitation works. Mm -mm. I get Jeff Goldblum. He drowned. Mm -hmm. We can bring him back. That's a real thing. Not after two hours. It does seem like a stretch that this doctor was able to resuscitate him and perform a little open heart surgery in (laughs) the disappointments room. Of their house, which I assume, I mean, they probably went to the hospital and all that, but it just, none of it works for me. It feels wrong. And I think that if we had parents sitting in on this conversation with us, they might say, I might do that for my kid. And that scares me a lot. Well, and that's why it doesn't ring that false for me is like, you know, presumably he knew he couldn't save those two and he thought he could save his son, which he was right about. To a point, he was right about it, but he saved him as an even bigger 
psychotic than he was when he died in the first place. Like, yeah, but you know, if it's your kid, you're gonna take care of them. You know, the plan would have been to like have him, you know, wheeling him around a convalescence home in a wheelchair or something for the rest of his life, which is something you do to care for someone. Sure. And then they don't go out murdering people because they're in a chair. Yeah, well, he did a terrible job of he enacting that. Didn't plan. even keep track of the kid. He's just like, go, go to your amusement park, build whatever you want. <laughs> Go build your your artistic pile of dead young ladies under the roller Very coaster. Artistic. So weird. I think I have that problem with a lot of things, though. Like, there are lots of times where it's a movie or a TV show about a serial killer, and there are people who are still standing by them. Yeah. And not just standing by them in an, I love you, and I'm going to help you through this situation, whatever, but like... I'm going to bury the bodies for you and I'm going to hide you from the police and make sure that you never have to face any consequences for your actions. And that, (laughs) I just, I mean, maybe it's a thing that happens to you when you become a parent, but I don't get it. Sweetie, if you came to me and were like, hey, I murdered this person, can I don't want to go to the jail, can you like help me hide the body? I'd be like, nope. (laughs) that's just out of laziness though nope that's not it (laughs) uh that is definitely a thing it calls to mind something i read which is super political so i won't discuss the politics of it but basically that different people have different values and i was shocked to see what values certain groups of people held important over other groups of people yeah and one of the values that some people consider the absolute top most important things is loyalty which to me is not even a value it's like harmful it's a bad thing like it's good to be loyal to people but only in the sense that these are good people i'm gonna do things with them which is not loyalty it's sticking with good people because they're good it's Mm -hmm. loyalty in itself is like by definition it's in the face of badness because otherwise you wouldn't have to be loyal you would want to be with them right if you stick with someone regardless of how terrible they are that's yeah that's scary to me it's yeah and, and so there's a large segment of society that holds that to be a personal value Mm -hmm. and i think that's where you get this is Mm -hmm. i'm gonna stay loyal because loyalty is important the most important (sighs) thing is that i that this person think that i am with them not that this person understands that i love them regardless of mistakes they may have made and consequences that they have to face because of them yeah That's not what's best for that person. That person needs to go to prison. It's not what's best for that person. It's not what's best for anyone around that person. All the people they kill. Right? It's not what's best for society as a whole to be loyal to people as they do terrible things to other people. Yeah. I'm down with that. Yeah. It's a scary, scary, awful thing. So let's do ratings. It really is. rate so uh you get to rate this movie first what would you score it on our patented rating system i can't believe i have to rate first i will give this movie two flaming corpse balls out of five for it's feeling like an interesting mystery between insane cgi madness (laughs) and by the way in the end the mystery is kind of stupid and pointless but felt interesting as it was going what about you? All right. Well, that was short and sweet. Yeah, I was trying to be good. I 
Yeah, I agree with your two CGI flaming corpse balls out of five. I kind of enjoyed watching it. I liked the thriller aspect of it, but there were a lot of things that were broken about it. Yeah, and it did really not were. it did not use I don't know, it had a lot of really good assets that I don't think it used to the best of its ability. And that's disappointing. I did enjoy seeing the nineties. <laughs> Period piece. Still, I nope, I don't think I can call it a period piece. That feels not right. But, like, the massive cell phone that the teenage daughter is speaking on, yeah. which I'm sure was super high-end, like, <laughs> like, top quality cell phone, and it looked like it was carved out of foam rubber, and it had, like, this... <laughs> massive thick antenna sticking out of it it was hilarious i liked that that the mom was like let's rent a movie and he's like i'll go and for a second i was like wait but she wants to watch a movie and then i realized that in order to rent a movie in 1995 you had to leave your house and go to a building where they kept the movies (laughs) choose one and bring it back to your house isn't that amazing which is archaic yeah can you imagine if we had to go rent a movie every time we oh, wanted to do one of these? 31 rentals. In a, I don't leave the house 31 times in a month. Right? Whew. It would never happen. No. Thank heavens for the internet. It allowed this to happen. Exactly. So, yeah, it was a bit of a disappointment. If you enjoy just watching Jeff Goldblum, though, <laughs> you could watch this movie on silent, I guess. Okay. <laughs> or Alicia Silverstone. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Oh, loud bird. Ha, it's yelling at a squirrel.